But we are wrapping up our series, Stranded Today. Um, so we've been talking about money, we've been talking about prayer, we've been talking about how dads, we are to be the priests of our home, and we, it is our responsibility to make sure that our kids grow in their prayer life, grow in their reading, grow in their discipleship of Jesus. It is our job to be the spiritual leaders of our house and how so often we kind of shy away from that because it's a big responsibility. There's a lot to it. There is a lot to being the priest of the home, and yet our kids are the ones who suffer. Our kids are the ones who are disadvantaged when we shy away from that. And part of our message last week was when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, we said that we looked at how Jesus didn't say, forgive me my debts, forgive me my sins, but forgive us. It wasn't about, our prayer life isn't just about me individually, it's about praying for our families, it's about praying for our community, and it's ultimately really about praying for our nation. And I think we can all agree that in light of recent events and news articles and everything that's been coming out lately, our nation really needs prayer. Our nation really needs forgiveness and reconciliation as there's been so much hurt so much injustice, so much racism coming to light. And we, like I said earlier, Micah 6, 8, we are called to, to seek justice. So when we hear about what happened in Kamloops and we hear about the discoveries in Regina and Brandon and ultimately the one in, at, just outside Cowessis, that should break our hearts. It should break our hearts for the loss of those young lives. It should break our hearts for the families that have been affected by that. And it should break our hearts that we as human beings are capable of such injustice, such atrocity, and we ha- it should force us to our knees saying, God, forgive us. God, forgive our nation. Forgive us. And God, may there not be any trace of something like that in me. That I would be exceptional, that I would be set apart, and that we as a church, pray for us as a church, as myself and the leadership, explore what is our response and how can we help our community that has been affected by this? Is it simply just praying or is there something more? Because honestly, I don't know. But this is a time to humble ourselves, to be willing to learn from what has happened, and to be the people of God to those who need it most. They need to see the love. They need to see the healing. They need to experience the healing of God. And we have a responsibility to step in. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and we need to step into reconciling the wrongs and the hurts, because the last thing our nation needs is to be divided. As we come out of COVID and as we come out of the restrictions, we don't need to be, we don't need another reason to fight. We need a reason to be unified. We need to be, we need a reason to be healed and better and stronger, as Mitch said. And so pray with us as we go through this um, and we figure out as a church what is our response. But back to Stranded. Um, I have a question for you. So last, first one we asked, if you were to be stuck on a stranded island, what would you want to take with you? And I said the best answer I ever heard was a satellite phone, because you just call somebody. I'm stuck. Come get me. Um, 
But today I ask, if you were struck, if you were stuck on a deserted island and there is nothing there, where to go? If you were stranded on a deserted island, what would you miss the most? You're stuck on this poor little island here, showing on the on the screen. What would you miss most during your time there? And honestly, as I was trying to figure out the answer, I don't know. I watched Survivor, and I'm like, I ain't signing up. I miss a lot of things that they don't have on that island. I would miss a lot of the luxuries and the probably the food most. I'm kind of a food connoisseur, as you've probably all noticed. I would miss the food. But I, <clears throat> what? Everyone online, Facebook, YouTube, you share, throw it up. Everyone in-house, you always have permission. If you want to share your answer online, you go right ahead. What would you miss most if you were stuck on a deserted island? And, I <clears throat> and we're going to use this as the launch dive into Matthew 6. Along the way, we've been looking at these when statements of Jesus. And Jesus said, when you pray, when you give to the poor. And this is the third and final one we're going to look at as part of our stranded series. And Jesus says, when you fast, aka when you are without something, whatever you are fasting from, when you fast, this is what you are to do. Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. When you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So if you don't know what fasting is, ultimately, the, the normal practice of fasting is just giving up food for a time, right? That is our typical, sometimes it's food and drink, um, but it is removing food for a season. Uh, it has become a new trend within many health, or health trends uh, to take one day of just fasting, or you fast for a certain amount of time throughout your day, you start here, you end here. Um, fasting is just removing, and if fasting doesn't always have to be food, it could be your phone, it could be your entertainment, it could be your TV, your computer, there's a lot of things, lots of opportunities to fast from things that distract us, and so what is Jesus saying? That, well, when you're fasting, don't make your face gloomy, don't disfigure it, aka, don't complain about the fact that you're fasting, oh, woe is me, I'm so hungry, right? Like, when we are without something, and, and I go back to our deserted island example, how long are we stuck on the deserted island before we stop complaining about everything we don't have? Oh, I wish I could go for my, I could sure go for my bed. I, sh I could sure go for a cold Coke or a cold Pepsi. I could really go for I could go for a lot of things that I don't have right now. And what, at what point is this like, okay, complaining is not getting me anywhere. I might as well just become content with my situation and make the absolute best of it. And Jesus is saying the same thing. When you're fasting, don't draw attention to it. Don't make a big deal of it. And don't complain. And like Jesus is the ultimate example of what he means by not complaining. What did Jesus do? He fasted for 40 days. Four, zero. What did he do? 
He did not go to Jerusalem where there's a bunch of people and be like, hey, I'm fasting for 40 days. He went to the desert by himself. So that even if he was tempted to complain, nobody could hear him. Because fasting is not about drawing attention to ourselves. Fasting is about getting quiet with God. And just, and it is a, well, we're going to look at it. We're going to look at the different reasons that we fast. It's not just about giving up food for a time. It's not just about um, separating ourselves. There's actually very important reasons that the scripture calls us to pray and fast, sorry. There's very important reasons scripture calls us to fast. And this is why Jesus expects that we will be a people who fast. Um, Oh, I am getting way ahead. So, question is, when should we be fasting? And there's two major reasons, biblically-based, that we find that we are told that we should be fasting. And in fact, when we look and we take a deep dive into the reasons that we separate ourselves from those little luxuries and those little pleasures, it actually doesn't start as a spiritual reason. It actually starts at a very human reason. We actually, everybody, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you will fast at some point, but you don't necessarily call it fasting. And let me show you what I mean. I want you all to think of a scenario in life, and we will all go through it, Many of us already have. What is a season in life where we are so emotionally charged, so emotionally overwhelmed that we do not feel like eating, we do not feel like drinking, we do not feel like enjoying life? When we lose somebody, when we're mourning, right? When we lose a family member, We do not think of the next meal. We do not think, we are so overwhelmed by the memories, we're so overwhelmed by the the hurts and the loss and everything that is, what just floods into us. We do not feel like, we don't feel like eating, we don't feel like drinking, we we don't feel like enjoying life. Right? We don't call it fasting, we call it grieving, we call it mourning. Because in that moment, nothing's going to make it better, so why would, I, why would I try? Why would I do it? And I don't know, but I, I know exactly what this feels like. And I can only imagine as these discoveries are being made, the hurt and the pain and the f- overwhelming emotion that is being felt by the communities affected by these discoveries. But we take that mindset, we take that realization of the hurt and the mourning and the not wanting to eat, and we apply it to one of the only situations in all of Moses' law that prescribes prescribes fasting. In the law of Moses, the only time Moses says anything about self-denial, as he calls it, is for the Day of Atonement. If you know what the Day of Atonement is, in the Old Testament, there are these festivals and there are these major sacrifices that the Jewish people had to perform each and every year. And one of them was done on what was called the Day of Atonement. The people would come together and they would repent and they would sacrifice and they would essentially mourn for the sins that they had committed as a group. 
And all these sins would be brought to light. And all of these sins would be remembered and talked about. And it wasn't just the communal sin. It would be the, the personal. It would be the family. It would be everything that had happened over the course of that year. And you would pause and you would they would make sacrifices. They would repent and ask for forgiveness for all the wrong that they had done. Now imagine that day. Imagine being among the people of God on that day. That day would be so heavy, it, you would not want to eat. You would not want to drink. You would not have to be told to deny yourself. You just would because of how really how gross the day would feel. See, fasting, one of the biggest reasons we fast is often in connection to those times of repentance. When we come and we say, God, I have messed up again. And the problem is, is that sin should, our sin, the sin of our nation, the sin of our neighbors, just the sin around, sin should make us feel sick. Sin should make us feel emotionally hurt and grievous that it is happening and that it, people are being affected by it. It should cause us to be in a similar state to mourning. The problem is we take sin way too lightly. We don't feel that way. We don't feel the weight of it. We don't feel the... Some of us do. If it's big enough, we feel it. But when it comes to all big or small this is the problem we have this criteria any sin anything that comes to light we should just be like oh and we need to go to prayer we need to go we need to repent we need to just ask the father to take this burden take this thing away from us Because repentance is a really joyous time, but it's the coming to repentance. It's the forgiveness that it causes the joy. It's not the confession. Confession sucks. I'll be honest. Repenting of the action sucks, but it's the overwhelming forgiveness and mercy that God pours out on us that it's like, okay, I feel better now. Thank you, God. But heading into it, our sin and the sin of our nation should make us feel physically ill we should be mourning the other reason that we fast and i'm gonna use an example my my wife calls this pastor mode in me and some of you don't have pastor mode but i'm going to describe a scenario and you're going to be very much like i know exactly what you're talking about for me pastor mode kicks in right around the time that we're going to do a let's say we're going to do a pancake breakfast Okay? In order to put on a pancake breakfast for the church, for the community, there is who's making the pancakes, making sure they're done right, make sure we don't run out of syrup, we don't run out of coffee, we, don't, we have enough space, we have enough plates, we have enough, right? Like the list goes on and on about all the details that have to be, and I am so focused on all those details, all the things that have to be done right and done excellently and perfectly, what am I not thinking about? food, even though it's all around me, I don't eat in those times. I don't drink. Depending on how big the event is, I probably didn't sleep well the night before. Right? There's these little, I don't do small talk. People will be like, Pastor Matt, not now. I'm busy making sure that we don't burn anything down and the people, everyone's happy. 
right? The little luxuries, the little like enjoyments of life are not anywhere on the radar. Why? Because my energy, my focus, everything is on making sure this event goes off well. My wife calls it pastor mode in me, but I'm sure for each of us, when the pressure is on and something has to be done right, it has to be done excellently, and we have to get it done, and it, everyone is watching, we get into these modes, we get into these head spaces that we are not thinking about anything except for getting this project done, getting through this event. And sometimes if the event's long enough, it's surviving the event. Another scenario, you know, if a missions team shows up at the church, eventually Pastor Mo is going to kick in and make sure that everything's set for them. It hasn't yet, but you just give me a couple hours. You don't want to talk to me until they get here and everybody's happy. Okay, like that is, and I don't know what the event is for you. I don't know what the scenario is, but I think we all get into that mindset. And I want to ask, imagine... Imagine if we came to prayer with that same determination. Imagine if we came to prayer with that same focus and that same abandon. Imagine if somebody in our family or somebody in our community needed healing and we prayed with that earnestness and that, that fire and that, that commitment that I don't care, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to sleep, I'm not going to watch TV, I'm not going to do anything except for pray for this scenario until something happens. I guarantee you, you pray differently in those moments. Because you're so, it's all you can think about. It's all you can focus on. It's the only thing you want to talk about. Oh God, I just want you to move in this scenario. I want you to heal this person. I want you to reconcile this relationship. I want you to bring this person back home. I want... These are, sin- these are things that we pray about that should not be like, oh, I wrote it down in my journal and I'll get to it when I get to it. These are life-altering, abandon everything, abandon the luxuries of life, abandon the good things, and let's just zero in on this one thing and pray my heart out until either something happens or God says, okay, you're done, you've prayed enough. you would pray differently. And I think not only would you pray differently, things would happen. Fasting is always done in connection to repentance because fasting and mourning often go hand in hand and our sin should cause us to feel that grossness, that illness. But it also is done in connection when we want to get things done and not just done in the physical sense but get things done in the spiritual sense god this person needs to hear from you this person needs your healing in the old testament the nation of israel before they go to war would fast because they are looking and begging for god's protection and his guidance they want to make sure that as they go to war they're not using man's strategy but they'd be using god's strategy see things from god's perspective and so they wouldn't just get ready, they would actually fast. Because their focus would be increased. Their attention would be increased. They wouldn't be wasting time and energy doing other things. They would just be just be waiting for God to speak. 
So in light of that, in light of the fact that fasting is often in connection with repentance, and fasting is often in connection with this earnestness, as I will call it, when we're mourning, it's easy. If we're not mourning, if we are fasting in in response to repentance, it is easy to allow the pain and the hurt of our in our moment to get on our face and to, for it to be visible that we are going through something and we are, and this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. When you're going through these times of repentance and you are not eating, do not let your face look gloomy. Do not let your face look disfigured because what is happening isn't between you and anybody else. It's just between you and God. And so keep showering, keep, you know, putting on your makeup, keep shaving, keep, don't let it on that something's going on because what is going on in you and in your heart and your mind is between you and God. And when you're praying for somebody and the, the, maybe the time is getting long and you're like, I'm getting hungry and oh man, I just want something to move. I just want something to happen. It's okay to invite people into the prayer, but you don't want to be like, people looking at you being like, oh, good job. I'm so glad you're fasting for that. I'm so glad that you are committing to this kind of level of prayer for that. No, 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 no. I don't want the pat on the back. I just want you to pray with me. I want you to, because I want God to move in this scenario. God calls us. God says, when you fast, when these scenarios in life arrive, do not shy away from fasting. And when you fast, do it right. Do it in a way that is secret, that is between you and God, and don't let people pat you on the back because you're doing a good thing. We have got communion this morning. And this is my tie into communion. It's like, how are you going to go from fasting to eating? This is going to be a neat one. There's a story in scripture, and we're talking about three groups of people. We have the Pharisees' disciples, we have John the Baptist's disciples, and we have Jesus' disciples. And there's this interaction between the three groups, and there's a question made of Jesus. Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus tells this parable about how when the bridegroom is still with the wedding party, they don't fast, but they feast. They celebrate because he is still with them, but there is a time coming when the bridegroom will be separated from the party, and at that time there will be fasting. At that time there will be silence and... (coughs) And then when the bridegroom returns, the fasting ends and the feasting returns. The reason communion is tied to fasting is because Jesus is the bridegroom and we as the church are the bride. And we are separated from Jesus right now. He is in eternity and we are here doing the work of the ministry. And so we fast and we mourn and we hurt because sin is still rampant in the world because, and because people still get sick and people still need prayer. And we will continue to fast and we still have these seasons of 
removing all the distractions so that we can really zero in on what God has called us to. But there is coming a time when Jesus will return. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more mourning. And so there will be no more reason to fast. And there will be a plenty reason to celebrate and to feast because we have been reunited with our Savior. And so when we take communion, we take communion recognizing the fact that we are one step closer to not having to do communion anymore, but we are one step closer to not having to fast anymore. We are one step closer to not having to mourn anymore. We are one step closer to not having to feel pain and sickness. We are one step closer to being reunited with the Savior of the world. And so we take communion on a day we talk about fasting, recognizing that there is coming a time when fasting will end.